This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. I'm very excited to introduce my guest, Mark Myshak, who is the founder and CEO at Rainwater Company. Hey, Mark, how's it going today? Really good, Corey. Thanks for having us on. We're excited to to be here and to talk a bit about sustainability and some of the alternatives that exist. You guys have a really cool product, a very unique packaging uh, design, and I'm very excited to get into that today. But I'd like to hear a little bit about your background. How did you get into the bottled water business? Yeah, I, I never thought I'd be in the bottled water business. I studied mechanical engineering and math when I went to school, and I thought I'd work for some high-tech robotics company that did some crazy innovative thing. And here I am in the bottled water industry, <laughs> uh, about as simple as it gets. But I've, I've had a, a pretty fun career. Right when I left school, I went to work for a very large Japanese automation company. And I did a lot for them, traveled to Japan regularly. I traveled to the United States regularly. And a predominant focus area for me was large, high-speed commercial bottling. And very often, weekly, really, I'd be in a new packaging facility, bottling facility, you know, that was owned and operated by some of the largest bottlers in, in North America and globally. And when you're in one of these facilities, that's bottling 1,500, 1,800, 2,000 bottles a minute, and it's one of 50 or one of 40 that that certain corporation owns in the United States, you, you gain an appreciation for the plastic problem that I think most consumers don't really recognize. I think very often we see images of bottles float, floating in the ocean, and we know about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and the size and scale of it, but when these bottles are moving so fast that your eye can't even register that there was a bottle there and the neck and a new one has replaced it, it's, it's, a, it's, it really becomes intimate to you, you know? And so that was kind of the, the early stages of, Hey, let's think about some other material from there. I, I went to work for a company called pack size, a sustainable packaging company that makes a piece of equipment that generates right sized on demand corrugated boxes. Um, That's a great company. Abs- absolutely. And they have a, they have a really, novel solution that I think works for so many industries. And we've all gotten an Amazon box with some widget that's oversized two, three, four, 10 X the size of the package, you know, and that's an operational challenge. And without equipment, you, it's, it's very difficult for someone like Amazon to have a box unique for every package, they, every item they sell, millions, truly millions of SKUs. And so what, you know, what I did pack size, I think really reinforced that these businesses are looking for sustainable solutions, right? Many of them have a metric in place that says by 2025, we're gonna cut our carbon emissions by 33%. By 2030, we're gonna be plastic free. And, you know, of course there's a cost savings to a right size corrugated box. You know, it's, it's in the way of freight, it's in a way of corrugated reduction, the consumer experience is better. But oftentimes the, the value prop to the customer was actually sustainability, right? We are helping you achieve your own sustainability initiatives. Right. Um, and it proved to me that, you know, even businesses, large businesses are 
are looking to implement these changes. And it sort of gave me the confidence to then go out and, and start rain kind of this, this project that I've been dreaming up in my head for years prior, you know, and so now here we are. It's an amazing thing that you've started. And, you know, the, the exciting part about it for me is of course the packaging. Can you tell us about your company and, and what makes it unique? Yeah, absolutely. So rain is a plastic free, um, aluminum bottled spring water company. Uh, so we bottle single source product from an ultra sustainable source here in North Georgia in all aluminum packaging. And so that's an aluminum bottle, it's an aluminum cap, it's got aluminum threads, and we put it into a six-sided corrugated box that doesn't use any back, any uh, plastic packaging. You know, we're, we like to believe that every bottle is one less in the landfill, one less that's going to be incinerated or one less in a waterway or sadly the ocean you know, which is kind of the highest visibility end case for a plastic bottle. There's a million plastic bottles used every minute of every day. And again, I think that's a number that if you wow. really slow down and think about it, it's like, whoa, this is a lot of plastic. And they're recycled about 9%, right? So if, if, if we can have an option, this is, you know, more sustainable option that we think has a post-life that's going to be turned into something else, for us, it's kind of like a why not, right? If we can price this similar to, to a traditional PET bottle, if the convenience is the same, if it gets cold, if it's portable, if I can screw the cap, you know, then it's sort of like a why not conversation. Why not choose aluminum over plastic, you know? And and for us, you know, that, that's been received well by the market. We've done double and triple digit, digit growth month over month for the last 12 months. And oh, congratulations. You know, staying on that trajectory. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. The recent um, announcement by the Ball Corporation of their, or I should say the recent introduction of their aluminum to replace the the, the red cup that everybody's so uh, fond of in college days, if you will, I think has... I know, th I know that cup well. Yes, I, I <laughs> bet. this. I think you're getting a lot more exposure for aluminum and hopefully this is helpful for you. It, it is, you know, aluminum as an alternative is successful when consumers understand it, right? I think that there are really big marketing budgets bigger than ours that, you know, have educated a consumer in a certain way that says if they take their plastic bottle and put it in the blue bin, it's going to be turned into something else. Right. Unfortunately, you know, we know that that's probably not the truth. So I think all these brands like ours and especially large companies like Ball who makes our bottle helping to provide alternatives that again, ever educate the consumer that aluminum is a safe, viable, sustainable alternative. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So the, the concept here is recycling and, Absolutely. and that you want this, I believe I've heard the stat that aluminum is one of, if not the most recycled or recyclable materials. Is that is that your understanding as well? That is my understanding as well. And I'm, I'm glad you bring up recyclable and recycled. Yeah. Recyclable equals not recycled. PET, like <laughs> -E yeah, PET <laughs> bottles are recyclable. Yeah. They won't be recycled. Uh, aluminum, of course, is also recyclable, and it will be recycled. And what we've seen in North America and, and, and many other developed countries is that recycling rates of aluminum are much higher than the next packaging material. Yes, which is probably corrugated, maybe. Probably. Yep. Yeah. 
I think the numbers I've heard from friends are uh, 63% of corrugated is getting recycled right now, which is actually, which is actually down from about 80 because just the explosion of the DTC packaging, there's just so much. I think the whole system is overwhelmed, right? But I agree with you. I love the idea of uh, aluminum packaging. I love the idea of reusing it. Do you find customers are reusing it over and over again? We do. We don't uniquely market the bottle as reusable, but we encourage our consumers to reuse it. And we find that they do. I, I will be the first standing here owning a <laughs> bottled water company to say that a reusable bottle is the most sustainable by far. Sure. However, oftentimes it's inconvenient or unavailable. You're at the airport, you're at a music venue, you're traveling. Or, right. you know, disaster relief. We just, we just right. sent water down to Louisiana. And so in those examples, I think a more sustainable alternative is needed. Oh, I totally agree. And I saw your post about how you shipped down a truckload already to Louisiana for the Hurricane Ida relief. Yep. And you've got another one going later this week. Kudos to you. What an awesome and honorable way to help people in need. We're, we're fortunate to be in a position to help. I think that you know, we're, we're a young, small, nimble company. And so we can respond, you know, very quickly when, when the need is highest. And we're, you know, like I said, we're very fortunate, grateful that we're in a position to do that. Yeah. This, this weather lately has been incredible and uh, (laughs) all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, regardless your opinion of, of climate change, you know, I think we can all agree that there's been a pattern of more significant, more damaging and more powerful weather events. And that trend will likely continue. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but you know, there's, there's solutions, you know, and, and even small ones, I think will, will start to have an impact year over year. I totally agree. And that's unfortunate, but I think it's on us to, to all make changes and all to make small or large decisions that will affect this in a positive way, like recycling your aluminum water bottle. Totally, what a simple concept and such an easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, infinitely recyclable aluminum is, is an incredible material. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the difference between you know, glass as an option. What do you think of that, of glass? My, my experience with it is the, the, the tractor is that it's heavy. It's, it's very heavy. You're exactly correct. Our cans, when we bring them in, we, we put 150,000 cans on an inbound truck on a 53-foot trailer. I think that truck is carrying something like six or 7,000 pounds on the inbound side, right? Which is the over-the-road limit is 44,000 pounds. So we're oh, wow. you know, well, well south of that. And that includes a few thousand pounds of returnable dunnage, right? There's pallets and slip sheets that our cans ship with that we send back to be reused, which makes it extremely lightweight compared to glass. Um, Glass is infinitely recyclable the same way that aluminum is infinitely recyclable. The problem is, and weight is certainly one of them. I think portability convenience is another one, right? We're not going to take glass to the beach. We're not going to take it to the pool. And there's certain areas where glass isn't a realistic alternative. Um, the other challenge, and, and this is really kind of back to the recycling challenge, is that 
recycling and recyclers are for-profit businesses, right? right. They're in the business of, of collecting goods from your curbside, doing a lot of work to get them sorted and cleaned and washed, and then sent to some mill that's going to grind it up and smelt it or process it or do whatever they need to do to turn into feedstock. It's a very expensive process. And glass is glass and PET are very affordable to make from crude materials or from virgin materials, excuse me. Aluminum is more expensive to make from virgin materials. And so there's a huge incentive for recyclers to collect aluminum. And there's a huge incentive for consumers, right? We can, we can go take our cans and get paid for them. Yes. Um, and and we're, we can be very confident that they're going to be turned into something else. The recyclers have this gross oversupply. You mentioned corrugated, right? There's this just mountain of oversupply of recycled materials, namely glass, paper, and uh, plastic. And when it's cheaper to make them from virgin, the economics become very difficult. And so the, the circular idea and how do we create and make this circular becomes pretty difficult. Right? It's not that the biggest bottlers don't want to use sustainable alternatives. They're really just as interested as we are, but it's an economic issue. Exactly. And like you said, there's nothing sustainable about going out of business. We, we need to have these recycling businesses be sustainable themselves. And yeah. you know, for Joe and Jill consumer, make it very easy for them to recycle everything. In my opinion, I that's the goal in the in the end of this whole thing. I I think make make fewer types of packaging and make them the ones that we make very recyclable. I wanted to talk to you about extended producer responsibility. Are you seeing any effects with from that yet? Have you have you discussed that with your team? Is that something that you're familiar? I'm not. What what's the term? Extended producer responsibility. So basically what, what they're doing is they're telling manufacturers of packaging sure. and, and large users of packaging, like the Coca-Colas, the Unilevers, these big brands uh, who coincidentally, those two brands are totally on board with this idea. They're telling them to make their packaging out of high PCR content. And they're telling them that eventually they will be required to make packaging that is recyclable. So you're in the right spot. You shouldn't be concerned. You should be excited about this because your product is the definition of both of those. But I think that it will be more and more difficult to make, you know, virgin PET bottles or, you know, what we're already seeing is Coca-Cola is buying up all of the RPET material for their packaging, which is great. And it, and it will make people, I'm hoping it will make people more likely to want to recycle and it will make recyclers more interested in buying recycled material. <laughs> so these, these things will turn it all into circular uh, economy like we would. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, I, I, I think plastic as, you know, PET as a material is, is a very good material. It is highly effective and it's unbelievable how entrenched it is with our lives. Modern life wouldn't exist the way it exists without plastics. Yeah. And it's so functional uh, and so affordable and so convenient. We can do all these neat things with it, but unless like you described, we're, we're creating a system that takes that single-use plastic and recovers it in some yeah. sustainable means, we're going to have an issue. It's, it's, it's almost like 
it's so good that it's bad, right? <laughs> it's because we use it for everything that that, that creates the problem. A friend of mine runs a um, PET recycling facility in South Africa, and he was one of my guests earlier on the podcast. And he said that they, the, the manufacturers of the PET bottles went too far in the light weighting and it made it so nobody, none of the recyclers wanted that bottle. It was too, it was too thin. It was too light. It wasn't worth collecting. So they've, he said, the companies are coming back to reality and they are making bottles that are desirable again. So that's yeah. good, a good step. And I never thought of that. Like you don't want it too light because like you said, it's a for-profit business. The recyclers don't want it. Where's it going to go? Yeah. And that, that light waiting that's gone on, I think, you know, again, I think it was well-intentioned, right? Yes. They said, oh, let's just yes. use less plastic. I think everyone says, great, less plastic. I'm still selling 16 ounces of water, but in half the gram weight of plastic, love that idea. Mm -hmm. And the consequences are fortunately like you just described. And it's, I mean, it's unbelievable how lightweight they've gotten. They're like a water balloon, you know, and and we've got now, I think it's three quarters of a turn. I was actually speaking with one of our cap vendors that described that some are looking to a half a turn of cap, you know, and it's like how, you know, how lightweight can it get? Oh, they're actually making the neck shorter. The ca- yeah, exactly. So the threads aren't, oh my goodness. I didn't even yeah. think they're going yeah, all the you, way that far. Yeah, if you can think of the lightest weight one you've used and how little you turn it and how short that cap height is, right? It's three quarters of a turn, I think, today. And there's there's an idea of half a turn to ever reduce the height of the cap, thus the volume of plastic. Like you said, uh, the concept is, uh, yeah. I think the intentions are positive. The concept is positive, but it, in fruition, it becomes very difficult to recover. And that's a problem. So what do we do with that? Are you, are you, are you thinking that recycling will be more available in the future? I hope so. I think, you know, we need to continue to invest in recycling programs You know, and there are other countries, let's Japan, for example, who has a very progressive recycling system, Uh, depending on the state or country you're in within Japan, they have five to nine bins for their recycling, for their recycled products, right? They have a steel, they have a glass, they have a paper, they have a corrugated, they have an aluminum, they have a PET, you know, and so on. And what that does is it removes so much of the burden and the cost with with the recycling process up front. And I think consumers generally are, are prepared to opt in to these sort of systems, right? I think there's going to be outliers that don't want to recycle and, you know, and that's fine. If we don't convince them, we don't convince them. But, but, you know, I can tell you if, if, if my municipality said, Mark, we're giving you seven bins. Great. Yeah. I'm ready for them. Right. Because I think when, when, it, when we think about the cost it really takes to recycle something, we described it earlier, but there's so many touches. It goes from my bin to a big truck, to a transfer station or sorting center. There's oftentimes humans there sorting the items. Uh, they have to be washed. They have to be sent. They have to be ground. And it's just this, this tremendous process. And so instead, if I can remove 50% of that on the front end by putting a little bit more load on the consumer, I think that that helps us improve the recycling system and profitability of the recyclers 
otherwise they need, I mean, we've got to have them in business. Recycle, they, they can't go defunct. Otherwise we're going to have a bigger problem. Very good point. Yeah, absolutely. Is your, do your bottles have a deposit on them? They do for the states, for the states that opt in, you know, and that's it, five to 10 cents. Go ahead. Is it just the 10 states that are, are opted in? Is there's nothing in addition to? No, there's not. And, you know, we, we would love, we've, we've talked as, as a business about a returnable system, right? Kind of back, honestly, before I was born, you know, I, I know of returnable systems like the milkman that used to come to your door and you'd put your, your glass bottles out. You know, I think if, if you can successfully and economically make that happen and create a return system, I, I think that's awesome. Mexico still Mexico still uses a return system and they've yep. consolidated their beer companies within two or three formats and they wash off a label, they spin on a new one and it goes to Corona and then it goes to Modelo and yep. they send you a case of it and you get a case back. And it's because they're, they've created a system for it. I, I think that currently our economy doesn't have or isn't built on that sort of uniformity you know and we would need to trend towards that you know every beer company wants a unique glass bottle every you know can company wants it to look unique and there's so many formats available that a returnable system currently would be very difficult yeah we have something like that in oregon called bottle drop and it's for glass bottles and it's it's working very well. They're trying to replicate it in California. I could see that, and it takes a very thick glass, so it has Absolutely. to stay has to stay local, like you mentioned. You know, that's the detractor there is it's heavier, but if it gets reused a hundred times, that's a more sustainable life cycle. Absolutely. Uh, so, and they're doing it in Europe, like you said, with milk milk bottles and beer bottles and other beverage. I always think beer, you know, I'm a beer lover, but there are many other beverages. I should say beverage bottles. (laughs) (laughs) I should get used to that. Right. But I I agree with you. I think we're, we're headed that way and we're headed away from the very light, very, very single use. It's got a bad taste in people's mouths. They're upset by it. They're, doing something about it. There's companies like Ridwell, have you heard of them or Recyclops that are absolutely redefining the way we recycle things. And I think those companies are amazing and could very well change, you know, the way things are done. You take Uber drivers or people who just have a spare hour and say, okay, go pick up a hundred bags of recycling from your neighbors and bring it to us. And then we'll actually recycle it. Uh, yeah. What a, what a great concept. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And I think, you know, there's also in, in it, there's, there's also companies looking to uh, sell their products in formats that are conducive, like, like a bulk, you know, bulk grains and bulk shampoos and bulk soaps. And, you know, there's, there's so many of these solutions coming out and, and it's really on the, the small guys we've seen to innovate that stuff which is great. And, you know, and we're happy to do it because I think it needs to happen. And, and maybe if we can get enough opt-in from the, this stuff down in, in a way that uh, someone like us is going to take, it's going to take a long time. Absolutely. I fully agree. You guys are innovating and it takes, it takes really amazing people like you and your team to 
open the eyes of, of the other big companies and hopefully they'll start following your lead. So not too soon though, right? You want to get the market first. Nope. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we want, it's, it's a big market though. It's a $200 billion market bottle of water. Yeah. So we, we believe there's room for innovation everywhere. You know, if, if Coca-Cola started bottling, you know, everything in aluminum tomorrow, that would of course have a big impact on the aluminum market, but it would help because it would re-educate the consumer that aluminum is the right thing to do. Right. So what's next for you guys? Do you have any new form in, in mind? Do you, is there a 32 ounce coming? Is there, what's next? Yeah, there are some bigger formats on the way. Unfortunately, we're, we're limited to the availability from the can producers for as large as we can go right now. That's a 25 ounce and that's going to be out pretty soon. Yeah. And then we're, we're talking closely with, with ball to see what can be done. I mean, they're, for example, they're, they're making cans, beverage cans now on their aerosol lines, hairsprays and, and spray paints and things like that. And so they know, you know, it wants ball and our dagons that are big can producers recognize that, consumers and businesses want larger formats, I think we're going to start to see those things, you know, certainly start to happen. I mean, I, I want, I want to sell a one gallon aluminum jug that <laughs> you put in your fridge. We're not there yet, but we will be. <laughs> I love that idea. Actually, like a mini keg. Who was that that sold those? Uh, Heineken. And yep. of course. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Great idea. Why not have yep. a water jug? That's brilliant. I, I support you. It, when you, when you make those, <laughs> I'll be your first customer. I love it. I love it. We'll <laughs> let you know. Well, thank you so much, Mark. How, how do we get a hold of you and your, and your business? What's uh, the best you way? Can, yeah, you can find our website, uh, www.simplyrainwater.co. And that's C-O. You could see us on Instagram at simplyrainwater. You can send us an email, hello at simplyrainwater.co. Or if you're ever in Northeast Georgia and you want to stop by the plants, our doors always open. We, we aim to be an extremely transparent company and literally anytime someone walks up, we're going to give them a tour because we, we believe in asking where your food comes from and having transparency in the supply chain. So, you know, again, if someone's in Georgia and they want to come see us, we'd love to have them. Oh, that's amazing. I would love to do that tour. Anytime. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Landsberg Aurora, for their continued support. Thank you so much for that. And we'll be back soon with another episode. Please rate this episode and tell your friends about sustainable packaging with Corey Connors. Thank you again, Mark. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.